provide the lifestyle that I, I wanted to live and uh, mailbox money or passive income. Those were the two biggest driving factors for me into pursuing multifamily. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam AAA Adams. And um, what we're going to be talking a little bit about today is just your journey, your journey, you're the listener and you're, you're trying to figure out how to go just from where you are to really crush it in, in multifamily, to really just crush it in real estate and to have your dreams come true. And I understand that, that you are where you are and you see the vision of where you could be. And I, I have a wonderful guest, uh, a good friend of mine on the show who is going to be able to kind of share his journey and how he got to where he is. And, and he's not super old. He just had his 30th birthday this year, right, William? That's right. Big 3-0. Big 3-0. Um, so this is William Walker, and he's just crushing it in multifamily. Um, so just to give you an example, he and his business partner have, have really been uh, closing deals left and right in a, in a time as we're recording where I feel like my company, we're like, we're, we're not having an easy time finding that next deal at all. Um, and I know in a lot of other people that are really having a hard time just getting that next deal. But in, in this time where the market is, is tight, where uh, some people are wondering if, they're, if, they're, if they should just back out of, of the market completely. Some people are wondering if they need to hang their multifamily uh, hats up. On the side of the wall, uh, William and his business partner have really just honestly just been crushing it. As we record, they have three deals um, that they're really working on, you know, in the under contract type phase where one of them's, you know, they're, they're getting the funding ready, ready and lined up and a couple of them are, are getting close to there. Um, there's other teams that are really having a hard time. So, we're not just going to talk about all the successes and everything that he's done with Ernst and Young and, and all the things that, that he's accomplished, even at such a young age, but we're also going to dive into just kind of like his, his journey, the process, which I honestly, I wanted to have him on because I thought that it was going to help you, the listeners. So we're going to talk about multifamily for sure. We're going to talk about the grit and everything that it took for him to get to where he is and everything that he did as a CPA, everything that he did, um, he was actually, what is it, an appraiser, I think, for uh, Georgia, right? Yeah, registered appraiser for Georgia through Ernst & Young. I, uh, was, wasn't the complete license, but uh, it, it's a, a multi-step process to get there. But yeah, one of the many things that I, I did to try and get experience. I love it. And so you've, you've done a lot of the right things and... I want you to kind of share with us your journey. So your whole bio is going to come out in this journey, but I, I want to take it from a place of like really what you're going through while you're taking these steps toward, you know, ultimate financial freedom and the success that you've achieved already. Um, how you found your partner, what you were work, worried about, what were you going through? And I think that's, I, I'll, I'll probably take a step back and ask fewer questions than I ask most of my guests and let you kind of just take us through your journey. And if, if I feel like there's something that we need to dive in, I'll definitely bring it up. Um, 
But I'm going to turn it over to William Walker, and I'm going to let him kind of share with you, you know, where he started and, and where he is right now, and of course, where he plans to be in the next few years. So, William, give us, give us that history. Where, where did it all start? Why did you, why did you get into, into, into real estate in the first place? What were you thinking about? And, and I'll let you take it away. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Adam. Uh, the journey is definitely near and dear to me. So uh, happy to happy to dive into it. You know, I'll take it back uh, even even a little further than my real estate days. I started working for a family owned business when I was about 12, washing cars and cutting grass in the summer and after school. So I learned the value of, of hard labor at a, a very early age, you know, uh, and fast forward into school and more formal type uh, occupations. I did a couple internships in college and uh, got a good taste of the corporate world. Uh, started in logistics and was doing some transportation coordinating. I worked for Unilever North America for summer doing data analyst work, but I got a good feel for what it, what it was like sitting in the corporate world at a, uh, a cubicle and a desk. So it wasn't the right, uh, wasn't the right life for me. And that was really what spurred me to look for something more. I'd, I'd grown up knowing the, uh, know how to work hard. My, my parents were, my dad was in the, the car business, wasn't a multi-generational real estate guy, but taught me to work hard. And then uh, in school, I kind of learned that, okay, this corporate thing is probably not for me either. So I remember picking up a book by Warren Buffett. It was, it was one of his books. And uh, ultimately, I, what I took from it was there's two ways to make money while you sleep. And that's one, own a business or two, own real estate. So I kind of toyed around with that for a little while and was a, uh, a big uh, advocate of the podcast and uh, in self-education and still am. So when I first got turned on to the, the multifamily and the, the real estate team was in 2014 going through schools uh, in the accounting program, just trying to figure it out. I'd done a couple internships. I, I knew that I didn't want to go back into the, the corporate world, but I was looking for more. So I thought single family was the way to go and was the, uh, the route for me and started uh, with a goal of having 100 single family houses. And I ended up buying two. And I, I realized that there's no, this is not, not the best or the easiest way to accomplish this, but that got me started. And, um, you know, a lot of things happened between then and I did a lot of self-education, but coming out of school in 2015, I convinced a, a local bank that I had a relationship with one of the, the lending officers at through a, a friend of mine, childhood friend of mine to give me a mortgage based on a, a piece of paper from EY saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to hire William this coming summer. So I was able to leverage that, get a mortgage through uh, this banker. I think they, they turned around and flipped it to the secondary market within within the month. So uh, the risk was off the table for them, but it got me started. And I, uh, I moved three friends from school into that house and, and started renting it out. I, uh, I was able to pay for the taxes, the insurance, uh, mortgage, you know, PITI and, and most of my, most of my uh, carrying costs, but it made a little money on the side and, more importantly, you know, taught me how to be a, a landlord slash uh, live-in live friend, live-in landlord, and kind of cut my teeth. So 12 months into that deal, I, I had uh, I borrowed 20% to put down on the property. And uh, after about 12 months' time, I fully paid that amount off, and I had some equity in the deal. So I was able, able to, uh, to leverage that equity and, and get a HELOC and buy my second uh, property which was a little condo in Nashville. And uh, at that time I was, 
uh, toying around with bigger stuff and, and trying to figure out how I could scale quicker. Uh, and at the time I was working for Ernst and Young as a CPA, I studied accounting and finance going through school. Uh, so I was just learning, uh, learning the ropes, cutting my teeth, studying as much as I could, getting experience, networking. It's like it was a, a common triangle of study, uh, network, try and get experience. And I uh, went to work for EY a year out of school uh, as an auditor, had those two rental properties. And uh, I realized that I needed to, to get more experience in the, in the commercial and the multifamily space. And I found a group within the company I was working for. It was uh, the Transaction Real Estate Group. They were based uh, in major markets around the country, but didn't have one in Nashville. So I actually started cold calling people in this group uh, using the internal database that I had available to me. And basically would just call people in this group and say, hey, I'm William. I, I'm interested in, in what you're doing and I want to know more. So much to the point where, you know, six months later, I, I had called enough people where they knew who I was in this department before anybody had met me or any, any hiring person had met me. But uh, I ultimately got in touch with the right individual. And I think he took a, a liking to a little bit of my tenacity. And he, uh, he offered for me to come down and interview. And that was a, a huge breaking point. Uh, I'd done some local real estate things with uh, Real Estate Investors uh, Association and, and some of the smaller groups in my home city. I'd gotten two small rental properties, but uh, this was a big breaking point for me because it gave me access to institutional size deals. And, and lucky enough, the Atlanta office was mostly focused on multifamily. So coming into that group, I, I got some great experience. Uh, I worked on a large transaction uh, back in 2016 when MidAmerica purchased Post Properties. Uh, was a consultant on that role and got to see all the models that those guys were using, who they were raising money from, how they were putting deals together. And at the same time, I joined a, a networking and coaching group uh, that kind of gave me insight and access into people doing similar things on a smaller scale. So I was working all the time. I, we were working probably 10 to 12 hour days at EY, the, the corporate auditor life on the real estate side. We we're still supporting the audit team just from a real estate standpoint. Yeah, go ahead. So I want to, I want to interrupt just for a second to make sure that I have a, a good understanding of sure. know, where we were here. So this is around 2000, I think, 15 that you started calling, cold calling people in this multifamily group? Yeah, that's right. I, when I first started working for Ernst Young, it was in 2015 as an auditor, and I started calling people in that, that real estate practice within the firm to, to learn more about what they were doing, ultimately trying to, to go work for that group. Okay, so this was... Um, if I, so help me understand, this was kind of like not Ernst and Young wasn't asking you to please call like certain people. It was just it was you in 2015 with two houses, two rentals, knowing that you really want to get into multifamily investing. So you took advantage of the the all the phone numbers and you just wanted to reach out to people and start to grow and connect uh, with people that are doing multifamily? Is that kind of what it was looking like? Yeah, that's right. It's actually discouraged within the firm. You know, they wanted you to talk <laughs> to the, the right HR people, let them know you weren't happy, then they would help you find something else kind of thing. But 
I knew I wanted to be in real estate full time. I knew I was working for Ernst and Young and they had this, this real estate practice that was down in Atlanta. So I just started calling people from the Atlanta office and I basically said, Hey, I, I want to learn about what you're doing. And uh, I did it enough times uh, that somebody eventually offered me a, an interview down there, Alan Hollander. I'll, uh, I'll forever, uh, forever owe Alan a, a debt of gratitude for sure. Okay. So here you are, uh, 25 years old, something close to this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Okay. So, so 25 and you got a great job. You got a great role at a great company. Um, but you knew you wanted more. You knew that you wanted to get in real estate. And I feel like many of the listeners, Many of us as human beings, uh, we're number one, I think we're afraid. We're afraid to go outside of our comfort zone. We're afraid to take action. We're afraid to have rejection. We're afraid to get in trouble uh, by not calling HR first. Most of us, I believe, are that we, we, we don't take the action because there's many ways that the action could hurt us or theoretically in our mind we feel like it could hurt us so what did it take for a 25 year old working at a great company to go outside of your comfort zone and to take matters into your own hands and make absolute certain that you're going to succeed and how can we encourage the listener who has the same fear that you obviously were feeling before each and every one of those phone calls, especially the first one. And so much tenacity that you would call so many people that you finally got a result because there's some, there is a, um, what's the word for it? There is, when I look at everybody who's been on my show, there's something that all of them have in common, the successful a or, people, yeah. a trend. Yeah, that's great. There's this common trait within the people that usually come on my show and they look back is the fact that most of them called more than one person. Most of them went outside their comfort zone. Most of them knocked on more than one door. Most of them got rejected by a certain amount of brokers, but they still called that 100th broker. It's that determination, that relentless uh, nature that really makes somebody who, who's never come on the show and might not come on a show and someone like you who's – crushing it right now has three deals you're working on when there's other teams that are having a really hard time. So there was a turning point for you at, at the age of 25 when you were working at this company. And I want to make sure that we don't skip past it, but we take that learning lesson from what it took for you to, like I said before, push past a comfort zone, call not only the first or the second or the third, how many people did you call on this list, by the way? 
Man, I, I can't remember. It was, uh, you know, it was the internal database, the email outlook database. And I would just look at anybody in that group in the Atlanta office and, uh, and started calling. So I couldn't tell you how many it took me to, uh, me to call before was I got it five to the right to 10, one. 10 to 20? I'd say it's 20 to 50. at least five to 10. It was probably okay. at least 10 before anybody even, any started, anybody even started paying attention. But it's a small enough group that once I called 10 people, People are like, who's this, who's this guy that keeps calling? <laughs> <laughs> All but, right, uh, so, you're, so you're, how did you do this? How did you, how yeah, did this happen? I think, uh, you know, I read something recently that really resonated with me, and it was, if you have a strong enough why, you can overcome almost any how. And for me, that why was, I, you know, I had grown up uh, with, with a middle-class family with most of the things I, I needed, uh, but I had to work hard my whole life. And in 2009, 2010, uh, you know, the recession hit my family uh, and people in my family, like it hit a lot of people in this country. And I saw, uh, I saw my mom have to, to give up a house. I saw her go through hard times. And I think when you see people that struggle and that, uh, you know, at one time, um, you know, we're, we're such a rock for you, you know, it kind of, it, it spurred, the, spurred something into me. So I, I go back to that point in time and I, and I really, that was the first time um, really being sober to the fact that, Hey, you know, economy, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not resistant to the economy. My family's not resistant to the economy and people that I know and love and trusted and, and thought, you know, support me, I might have to end up supporting. So that was a really big uh, learning lesson and just mature uh, maturity growing thing for me at the time, but kind of lit a fire under me. And uh, I was, yeah, I was nervous and I was scared uh, of, you know, what would happen if I reached out to these people and it wasn't received well. But at the end of the day, I knew that if I didn't try, then I would, I would never know. And uh, the, I was, I was okay with failing ultimately. And I was okay with not getting the answer I wanted, but uh, I wasn't okay with not trying. And I just got to the point where I was, I was willing to do almost anything to, to get the, the goal and the outcome that I desired. Okay. I want to, I want to back up a little bit to your first sure. house. Um, you mentioned that you borrowed the 20%. And I want to understand logistically how that happened only because I know that there's people that um, say that you can't, you know, borrow money for the down payment because, um, because there, it needs to be like, I guess, vested or, or, or in your bank account for a certain amount of time and they need a paper trail and they're, they're always watching this stuff and all that kind of uh, jazz that I hear all the time sure. about how this can work, but um, you you didn't let that stop you. You didn't let the twenty percent stop you. You still found a way, and that was another I think turning point for you. So if if you could um, just give us a bit more uh, detail, what you were going through, what you were thinking, what you're running into as you were like wanting to close this first property sure. and you know, just how you made it happen. Yeah, I was, I was very green at the time and uh, I wanted to avoid the PMI insurance. So I was uh, looking at putting a larger amount down. I borrowed that 20% from a family member who put me under 
kind of a short-term uh, hard money type loan. Uh, my term on that loan was supposed to be two years and a variable interest rate at the time. Uh, so it was, uh, it was pretty tough during that, that first year. I, I was basically, any money that I earned from rent was going back into paying that down and any extra money that I had um, disposable in me was, was really going to pay that, that loan down. But uh, it, it got me into the first deal. And now uh, I've got that loan paid off and I was just uh, looking at refinancing that mortgage from a 425 interest rate down to something with a three in front of it. But you know, looking back, it wasn't the best or the most proud deal I've ever done, but it got me in the game and it got me started. Uh, that, that property had a little hair on it. It was in a flood zone, but I, I leveraged my, my network. I had a, a good friend from high school whose mom was a, a loan officer for a local bank. She gave me a shot at the mortgage. Uh, I would have been able to get by with five-ish percent down on a, a FHA loan at the time but I wanted to avoid PMI. So I went to my network and I said, who's willing to, to give me a, a loan out here? Uh, and I, I ultimately found somebody that, that did and uh, was able to get that, that deal financed. But uh, it wasn't super profitable the first year, but more importantly, it got me, got me started. Uh, and it was reassurance that it could be done. And now uh, I've got a considerable amount of equity built in that home. I'm looking at, at Airbnb in it. And I kind of see it as a, uh, a little bit of a sentimental thing because it, again, it just got me started. It's definitely not the biggest deal we're working on or the most exciting, but uh, I think if, if you've got a strong enough, why you can overcome almost anyhow. Okay. So let's, um, let's just fast forward a bit. So there was that first deal yeah. and then you got your second deal and then you decided to um, cold call and nothing stopped you because you had a strong enough why and your next step that you mentioned was joining a coaching and a networking program where you could, you could meet the right people to connect with and you could make sure that you were educated in all the parts, even though you, you worked in this industry for a while and you, you were really on all sides of it already. Um, but you decided, you know, I'm going to join this. So my big question to you with everything that you had done up until now, you had experience, you had, uh, been a part of companies that were already closing these deals. I think one of the um, one of the companies that you worked with closed like a twenty five thousand unit portfolio, and um, yeah, that's right. And so you're you're involved in all of this, and you, you've you've experienced um, this on on all uh, accounts, and but you still decided you know this is the right path for me was for you was to join a uh, a mentoring program where you had a really good network. So um, if you could just explain kind of like your, your thought process or your, your, your uh, whatever you were worried about or whatever you thought that it would help you accomplish, like basically why you decided to join that even with the rest of the tenacity that you had, you were going to make it happen anyway, I think. Yeah. I, I was like a, a hungry dog backed in the corner at the time. Uh, you know, I, I moved, you know, fast forward to 2016. I had those two deals under contract. Uh, it took me about eight to 12 months from starting calling to landing the position. So moved to Atlanta in September of 16 and immediately started working on those uh, corporate clients and uh, got a really fast education on how those larger deals were getting done. But at the same time, it, it just seemed so far off. I mean, 
you know, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars trading hands to get these portfolios done and large companies that have been in, uh, you know, business for years and years. So, and, but at the same time, I knew that people were putting these deals together on a smaller scale. So I, I saw it from the institutional side, but I couldn't work out in my mind how that was getting to more of a boots on the ground is what I say, more entrepreneurial. So it was actually, uh, I'm, I'm I just remembered this. Uh, I was having coffee with a, a friend of mine who was in the real estate business. His dad was a developer. The, maybe uh, a week or two before I was destined to leave for Atlanta. And he was in real estate, was successful in his own right. So I just had coffee with him and, and was getting his advice. And he, he said, you need to read this book. Um, and the book was, uh, was Multifamily Millions. And I read that book and I go, huh, you know, this uh, this makes a lot of sense. And when I got to, to Atlanta and I saw the larger deals being done, I'm like, okay, it's not too far off. So that was kind of the seed in my mind that, that was planted um, and ultimately got involved in that group through that recommendation. But I would say just, you know, I, looking for looking for any possible way to to get more educated and to understand the business better. And I was getting a lot of that on the corporate side, but not quite, um, not quite what I, I felt like I needed to do. So ended up, uh, and I, I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I think if I had an HVAC go out at that, at that point, I, I probably would have uh, bankrupted myself. I was just, you know, covering my, my high interest rate, uh, second loan on my down payment for my first house, all those expenses and carrying costs. The second one was cash flowing pretty well, but you know, a couple hundred dollars a month isn't going to go very far. Um, but still a good return on, on the amount of money that was put into it. So, um, you know, and I, I say that because this coaching group and program wasn't cheap. They're not, they're not inexpensive. And uh, I put a bunch of money on a credit card at the time that I didn't have to, uh, to join this group. And I, I don't necessarily recommend that doing that. But for me, I'm one of those people that when my back's against the wall, I, I kind of perform at my best. So, I wanted to be in a position, I was ready to be in a position where I was really ready to dedicate everything I had to, to making this work. And I ended up staying with that group about eight or nine months. Um, I met my now business partner in the networking group, but uh, with Ernst & Young, you know, one of the biggest decisions, and we talk about journeys and fears, one of the biggest fears was leaving uh, that group uh, in the following spring of 2017 in March. So. I remember, uh, you know, I called a, a couple of people that were trusted uh, confidants of mine and, you know, just told them what I was thinking about doing. And, you know, they, they had my best interest at heart, but I, I don't think that they wanted, uh, wanted to encourage me to leave. But ultimately, I was burned out. Um, I felt like I had had good experience uh, with the networking and the uh, coaching group, but I, I had so little time working on the corporate side that I just couldn't even, you know, go approach deals. I remember I, I had a coach for three months and it was during busy season at Ernst & Young. So I didn't feel like I had enough time to really dedicate to it. And uh, I was kind of beating myself up over that. I had food poisoning in February or of March, early March of 2017. And I, I, I can't remember the breaking point, but I, I just remember sitting in my cubicle thinking like, there's gotta be more to this. And uh, I was confident in my ability to get it done. But at the end of the day, I, I remember thinking, you know, what's, what's the worst that could happen? Like, this is the time to take risks. This is the time to go for it for me. And uh, ultimately it was, it was back to that similar mindset that I found, you know, when I started cold calling people in the, the tree group was, you know, the fear of 
of failure is not was not as great as the feel of fear of not trying or or, or not trying and uh, uh, ultimately failing but not and not trying. So I remember uh, I was probably March 21st. Uh, I I called my senior manager who had had given me the job, offering me the position. Uh, you know, I told him where I was coming from and what I was planning on doing, and and he encouraged me, he supported me, and and said that he had come out of entrepreneurial things in the past and. You know, uh, he gave me some validation and it made it a little easier on me to leave. But uh, that was just the start of the, the journey. And over the next, I'd say, 10 to 12 months of it was a struggle. It's peanut butter and honey sandwiches and, and ramen noodles because I had just left a, a great job. Uh, I had two properties that were sustaining themselves, but not, not paying me a ton of money. And uh, I had no income coming in. So that really put me in a situation where it was do or die. And I moved back home into one of the one of the the, the first property I bought, and the three roommates that uh, had thought they had finally gotten rid of me. Probably, we were living in a uh, three bedroom house with four guys. But I just started hustling. I, I I was at every real estate meeting. I was I was networking. I was meeting with investors. I was hunting deals. I was uh, driving for dollars. You know, single family is kind of what I fell back into during that time because it was comfortable for me. But I realized if I ever you know wanted to to get into the bigger stuff, I really had to focus. So uh, I started working with some smaller uh, investment groups in Chattanooga that were buying portfolios of single family homes. And I ended up helping find a, an 18 unit multifamily deal for a couple investors that I, I shared in on. And that was like my first big or first multifamily commercial hit. So that gave me confidence to, to keep going. And I made a little money off that, that, uh, that supported me for a little while longer, but I, I lived very frugal. I made a lot of sacrifices. I, I never went out. I, I didn't have a, a girlfriend at the time. I didn't have a nice car. Um, so all these things that I think uh, that some people probably prioritize, it, it allowed me to do what I was doing and, and focus all my time on, on finding deals. Uh, uh, and ultimately, yeah, I, and finding the right people that were doing the deal. I love it. Awesome stuff. All right, so... What we're going to, what I'd like to do is just, I feel like there's so much possibility, potential out there in the world that we can make money in many, many ways. And so what I want to really get into is two things. I just, I want to finish up today's episode, really understanding why you chose multifamily. Like you're a CPA, you're um, a registered appraiser. And you ended up looking at a lot of opportunities and you decided multifamily. So first off, I want to find out really, why did you, why did you choose that? Like what, where did it even come from? And the second thing, once we're back from the break, the second thing I want to go into is just how, besides everything that we've heard up until now, just really understanding how you aligned with your business partner, how you were able to start closing on deals. So um, let's take sure. a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Adam Adams. And I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses, the traditional way, you know, it takes a lot of money putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes, well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses, a way that didn't require much upfront capital a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle. And best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way 
to quit your job and flip houses full-time. It's called Fix and List Deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the Fix and List strategy over the last four years, and he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the Fix and List strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. And we're back with Mr. William Walker. Um, this has been a, an enlightening, insightful episode for me. I really like William. I lo- love just going through your journey because I know there's a lot of a lot of listeners that are also in the corporate world, and I know there's a lot of listeners who who are who are young and they're in their twenties. And um, I feel like when trying to figure it out, yeah, when you're not in your thirties, forties, and fifties, sometimes. Uh, we put this automatic cap on what we can accomplish because, quote, we're too young, right? So a lot of people are saying that. And then a lot of people are afraid to leave the corporate world, but you did it, you accomplished it. And I've enjoyed going through your journey. So I promised the listeners, like when we got back from the break, we were really going to dive into why multifamily, because there's so many different things that you could do. Um, So that's my first question to you, William. Like, you see all the possibilities out there and you clung to multifamily. Why? Uh, it was to provide the lifestyle that I, I wanted to live and uh, mailbox money or passive income. Those were the two biggest driving factors for me and to pursuing multifamily. Uh, and I like to hunt. I like the fixing something up uh, that's disrepaired or broken down and, and ultimately taking it through the, uh, the investment life cycle. Okay. But in the and, beginning, in the beginning, it was lifestyle more so. And just having, uh, having that freedom over my schedule, having the ability to, to uh, earn passive income and, and having the, the ability to, to be in control of my destiny to an extent. And so was there, was there anything else that was out there that you could see that would give you that freedom for your lifestyle um, that you were also considering at the same time? Uh, sure. I mean, you know, going back to that Warren Buffett book I read, uh, I think it was either starting a company or, or owning real estate. And to me, owning real estate just it made sense to me. Uh, I had seen other people doing it growing up. It didn't come from a real estate family at all, but I, I could get my head wrapped around it. You know how I could uh, I could digest and understand the idea of owning a property and renting it out long term and. Uh, I, I like the, it excited me. It, uh, it still does excite me. I, I yeah. love what I do and, and it's still, uh, it's still something I enjoy. Okay. But you had, you were looking at this opportunity. You knew that you could do these things and, but your, your, your sites were on multi-million dollar apartment communities and the money that you had in the bank at the time was, uh, was limited so much that you used your credit card to get there. So you must have believed in this, this so much, so passionately that it, it had you put the credit card, uh, even knowing there's going to be a listener for sure. At least one that that's hearing this and saying like, but if, if I didn't have a million dollars in the bank already, like how would I, how would I close on these things? So what was going through your mind when, when you overcame that, and ultimately came to where you are today. 
Yeah, I mean, that was one of the scariest things in my life, but I knew it could be done. You know, I saw it on the corporate side. I saw it in the networking group. So I knew that people were getting it done, but ultimately it came down to, was I confident enough in myself to do it? And at that time, I felt like if I didn't get around people that were not these big institutions, then you've got to work your way up the corporate ladder for 20 years. Uh, unless I got around those people, then I, I never would, it would, it would quickly accelerate my experience and, and what I wanted to accomplish. So at the time, I, it was a little bit of a gamble and uh, I'm glad I made that bet, but ultimately uh, it was a bet on myself and then uh, a bet to be around people that were in the business and doing the business and that I could align with. Awesome. And so the, the second thing that I really wanted to get into now that I understand kind of you deciding that, you know, multifamily was your way, um, besides everything that we've really talked about all this whole episode so far, um, what were your steps and in, into really being able to accomplish your dreams? Like, what did you have to do to partner with the right person, etc.? that that really got you to where you are today yeah i think uh a lot of times success seems like it, it happens very quickly but really in the wake you know there's a lot of things that have to happen so the three biggest things that stand out to me were study there's so much online that you can teach yourself uh network so that when you get in the room with the right people, you're able to, to know the, the language, know the lingo, and be able to communicate effectively. And then go out and get experience. There was tons of things that I did for no pay or no promise of return um, or really not even multifamily related, more just single family investment. But I went out and did it. I showed up. I underwrote deals. I talked to investors. And it, it ultimately gave me confidence to where when I was in front of the right people, I knew what I was talking about and I had some experience that I could build on, not only on the corporate level in my networking and coaching group, but also out cutting my teeth, trying to get single family done and smaller properties done. Um, and just persistence and grit, uh, you know, just not giving up. Uh, in 2016, when I joined that networking group, I, uh, I met my business partner who at the time I, I didn't know would become my business partner. We started working together two years later, but, um, you know, I met her at the time. I continued to follow up. I continued to network and see her at different events. Uh, I obviously knew what I was talking about. And I think I, I proved by, you know, moving across the, the country two times by, you know, continuing to show up, continuing to, to take feedback and, and apply what I'd learned, continuing to be at these investor meetings and kind of be the young guy that's just showing up uh, all the time with a good attitude. Uh, over time, those things build into momentum. And the biggest, I say, catalyst was in 2018 when I had the opportunity to join forces with somebody that was two or three years ahead of me that had gotten deals done. And I could come in as, uh, as really sweat equity. I didn't have to have a million dollars in the bank or 100000 or, or however much um, to get the deal done. I was able to leverage my knowledge and my experience and grit and all the things that I had learned in the past three or four years to, uh, to get to that position. But even then, uh, I wasn't handed anything. It, it took about six months to, to get our first deal under contract. And I was underwriting three or four deals a day. And uh, I was really hustling. I mean, I, I worked hard and still do work hard. So 
I think uh, there's no there's no substitute for hard work and, and education. If you're studious on what you want to do and you work hard, it's going to happen. But six months into that, uh, joining my partner in 2018, uh, we got 160 unit property under contract. And the reason that we got that deal was because I was sitting in a ULI meeting, Urban Land Institute, which is a networking thing, really more focused on new construction than, than value add. But I met a lady in there and she said, you've got to meet my, my friend's husband. He's a, a loan broker, a loan originator. So, uh, you know, fast forward, I met him probably in March of uh, 2018, fast forward to June of 2018. We've been talking almost every day, you know, what are you looking at? What's he underwriting kind of thing? What are, what's debt pricing? He calls me up and says, Hey, I just had a seller back out of this deal and the broker's looking for a plug. Uh, I'm going to send you the information. And, that was the first deal that that we did and it was because of uh just kind of being out there networking you know I, I deals don't always have to come from your traditional sources but uh you know kind of just being active and working within the market and, and what the market gives you sometimes things fall into your lap now i haven't gotten another deal from him yet which uh, i'm i was hoping to get one a year out of him but uh you know, the law, of the, the law of the first deal was very true for us. After we did that first one uh, in July of 2018, we went on to close uh, a little over 1,400 units over the next 14 months. Uh, that was about 13 complexes that we purchased in that time. And there's a lot of hard work, but uh, once you get the ball rolling and uh, you've got lenders on your team, you've got brokers who know that you're a closer, you've got equity investors that are confident in your ability to run these deals, you know, all these things start clicking and firing, but I think uh, it takes a team to do it. Um, and you can do it all yourself and put all those pieces together, but I think it takes a lot longer and it's, it's more difficult and probably not as, not as enjoyable. So all of those things culminated in, in meeting the right people, understanding, you know, what I was talking about, having experience, uh, being persistent, you know, not taking no for an answer. And, and ultimately when that first deal came, it's like uh, the floodgates open up. Uh, and we just, we had a ton of, a uh, ton of acquisitions last year and, and we're looking to, to ramp up uh, in 2020 and 2021 as well. So cool. William, everything, everything that you're have done where this success came from, I really feel like the, the listener has one really overarching overlying like theme to this and it, it, it's it's all to do with your grit your persistence your determination your follow-up um it, it's it's out of the box it's 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 more than the norm and if you if if you're listening and you want to accomplish and be you know within the top one percent you can't do what the 99 percent does you can't be comfortable you can't be quiet you have to get out of your comfort zone you have to do uh more than the 99 percentile does and so i look at you know your, your first deal um with your with your first property and you didn't have 20 percent in in your bank account but you still called around to different family members until you found the person that was willing to give you a variable interest rate and and yeah, for right. a two-year term and you said all right let's do it and you took action and then uh, it comes back to you're working for Ernst & Young, right? And, and while you're doing that, um, you know what you want. And I remember you saying it took you, was it six to eight months 
from the time you made your first call to when you actually moved to Atlanta and was working with the people that you wanted to work with. Most people would have quit. You know, most people would not have spent six to eight whole months doing that. Yeah, it was really even longer than that. It was probably six to eight months before I got that interview invite. And then uh, probably a full 14 months before I actually got down there. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a long time. It, was, it took a while. And, and, then, and then we fast forward to when after you read that book and you're thinking, I want, I want to join a program that's going to bring me closer to other people that are doing this because I know I can do it. And, and just the fear that you would have had, uh, anyone would have had by putting that amount of money on a card when you don't have that amount of money in your bank account. And then we uh, fast forward to, you know, 2018, you meet uh, your amazing partner, who's a really good friend of mine. And um, in, in 2018, and for some reason, like you spent six months looking for this deal. And, and I promise you, if that person at the ULI meeting didn't bring that deal to you in, what was it, March or June, if they didn't bring that deal to you, then you would have still had your head focused until it happened. Because there's, there's something about those who, who have found absolute success that they, they burn the boats, right? Like Rod Cleef always yeah. says. They burn the boats That's right. and, and they keep going until, you know, they basically take over the island and, and sell out on the, on their, on the other boats. So I just, I want to bring that, that tenacity out because some uh, people who are wanting to get into real estate in any way or multifamily in any way, many don't understand to the level at which we need to truly be committed. And I think your story really uh, shows that on every step of the way, the true commitment that you have to have by burning the boats and, and there's only plan A, there's no plan B. It's like, we're just going to make this happen. And, you know, multiple times it took you six months, 12 months, 14 months in order to get the result that you were looking for just for that next step. And so just to see where you were, you know, in 2015 with your two houses all the way down to 2020 with the 1,400 doors that you closed in 14 months is outstanding, but it wasn't an overnight success. And that's really what I think the listener needs to understand. So, William, let's, let's go here. It's time to end today's podcast so what I want you to do is for the listener who wants to reach out to you, maybe they want to passively invest with somebody who has the type of grit and tenacity that you have. Maybe they want to learn from somebody who, who's also been there, done that when they were young and they just need that inspiration. Really, what's the best way for the listener to find William Walker and get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. I, I'm on uh, all the social media platforms, but most active on Instagram, uh, Will Walker underscore three, and then at our property or company website, which is uh, www.4mrei.com. Um, and just to be clear on the Will Walker underscore three, it's the number three, not spelled out, right? Yes, correct. So what we'll do is I'll put all this into the show notes. So for the listener who wants to reach out to you on Instagram, 
or email you. That information's in the show notes so they can reach out to you. William, I got to let you go. I'm, but I want to say I'm grateful for the time that we spent and like you going into your whole story. And I'm sure we'll bring you back on the show. Um, so I'll let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. This is Jason J. Lou Lewis, co-host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I want to say it's an absolute honor to have you as a listener, and we thank you for tuning in today. We also want to thank our sponsor, FixAndListSecrets.com. They have that great free video lesson, and in that video lesson, you will learn to never struggle to find or fund your next fix and flip deal again. Learn how to flip houses without ever taking out a mortgage or a hard money loan. You can now flip houses full-time and not have the risk of losing money in a real estate market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and this is it. Visit FixAndListSecrets.com. See you on our next episode.